You're listening to Supply Chain Radio. My name's Matt Gunn. I'm Josh Calixto. And today we've got Michelle Bacharach. And Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, great. So I am the CEO and the co-founder of a company called FindMine. We are a retail technology automation platform. And basically what we do is we help retailers scale kind of the content creation that normally is very tedious and time consuming. So specifically for our fashion retailers and brands, we help them make complete outfits around every product that they sell, which then helps the shopper understand how to use what they're buying, which means that they spend more money. So everybody wins. And then home furniture and decor would be decor sets. How do you style the room with cosmetics? It's eyes, lips, face. How do you coordinate the look? So we do that at scale, which means the merchants have to do less work. But we also capture all the data that happens when we measure how customers interact with that downstream. And that's a big challenge like as an individual and a consumer. And we're in New York anyway, so like I was safe throwing on all black today because it's what you do, yep. right? But... When you're out shopping and looking at a new shirt or you want to try a new style that's out there, you know, there's always that challenge of, what do I wear this with? Yeah. I mean, every person has to use the products that they're buying in context. It's very rare that you buy something and you just use it as a one-off. Maybe a bottle of water, right? But if you're buying a couch, you don't put it in an empty room unless you're in some crazy art gallery. You're going to put some pillows on that couch and a coffee table and a rug underneath it and it has to all make sense in context. Even something as silly as a drill, right? You don't use it without the drill bit and the battery pack and the charger for the battery and those all have to work together. So it's a big friction point for a lot of customers to try to figure out how to be successful with what they're buying and if they're not successful with that, they're going to return the product, they're not going to buy from that retailer again, they're potentially not going to buy the product, they're not going to buy as many products. So those are all big things that affect the revenue of a retailer if they can't get that right. And inventory at the end of the day too. If you're not spot on with what you're buying and you put the drill bits like in five aisles over and really hard to find, you might get stuck with those sitting on the shelf taking up space for a long time without the consumer or the store itself being able to connect those two dots because it's a natural cross-sell. Yeah, exactly. Some things that we found from our analysis of how customers you know, respond to, let's say, an outfit that we put together and what do they do downstream of that? Let's say customers will spend you know, $50 when they see outfit A, but when they see outfit B, they spend $250. And let's say the same shirt is in both outfits. We should be doing more of outfit B because that's more lucrative for the retailer. We can also tease out some insights in terms of what is the proportions that different things are selling and how are customers reacting to these products when they're paired with other products. So you don't end up with a situation where you have two things that go together, but you have twice as much of one of them and then the other one is sold out. And from a figure standpoint, how has this been working out for clients so far? Yeah, so from like a metric standpoint, what we typically see is when we come along, merchants are manually creating this content. Maybe they're putting together outfits by hand or furniture sets or whatever, and they're doing it for some products on the website, maybe some email campaigns, maybe they do it in social media a little bit. So the total, what we call coverage, which is how many products come with essentially a prescription for how to use it, is typically 5 to 10%. So only 5 to 10% of the time are you seeing you know, the drill bit that matches this drill because it's manual. So when we come along, we usually run an A-B test. And so we'll say, okay, keep doing that for 50% of your your customer interactions. And for the other 50%, we're going to automate it and just do it 95% of the time. So usually when we run that test, we see between four and seven and a half percent total revenue increase. But we'll see that coming from a couple of different metrics, which are pretty interesting. It'll be conversion rate lift. So people buying things where they otherwise wouldn't have. For example, if you 
in your case, you see a really cool shirt. Maybe it's paisley, maybe it's multicolor, and you're like, I live in New York, I wear all black, but I love that shirt. I just don't know if I can pull it off. So you might talk yourself out of buying that shirt where if we can show you, hey, here's a way to wear it that, you know, you could be comfortable with. Maybe it's a little more subdued and the shirt's like just the pop of color underneath the jacket. You'll buy that shirt wear that you otherwise wouldn't have. So that's conversion rate. Average order value we'll see go up because you'll buy either more products, which makes sense. Hey, I'm going to buy the jacket that goes with that shirt too. Or you'll buy higher price point products and not buy anything else. But maybe that Paisley shirt is twice as much as normally you would spend. So average order value goes up. And then the other ones would be like repeat purchase. We'll see customers coming back and purchasing more frequently. My hypothesis behind this is that the trust that you have with that brand has gone up because they've made you successful with the purchase. If you're shopping at Home Depot and they sell you the wrong drill bit and it doesn't fit the drill, they've broken your trust. They're supposed to have your back when it comes to home improvement. They didn't have your back. I'm not going to shop from them. Maybe I'm going to shop from Lowe's now. So I think that's why we see repeat purchase go up because it's building brand loyalty from someone who you know, you know, has got you when it comes to whatever the expertise that they're offering. So, okay, obviously there's a lot of applications for this technology in the store at the consumer level helps them make more informed decisions look like they're buying the right thing and not have to you know go back in and go through the frustration of returns or knowing what department to talk to for the product that they need things like that but let's talk about the applications farther up the supply chain and how you can potentially make better bets with your inventory and production and all those other pieces that have big implications on the products that you sell as well so yeah, that's that's a great question. We actually measure how the customer behaves downstream of seeing this content. So for example, if we have, let's say in the Paisley shirt that I you know mentioned earlier, we have that shirt in two different outfits. One is something that downstream of customers will spend $250 of you know goods once they've seen that outfit. And outfit B is same Paisley shirt, but different other elements. And the customers downstream of that will only spend $50. So we want to do more of outfit A. And so we'll tune our system so that we're making more of those things that make more money for the retailer downstream. The other factors that we can tease out from that observation of the customer behavior after seeing this content is that we can tell how products are likely to sell in proportion so you can alter how you buy or how you manufacture your products. I'll give you a specific example. So we measured this with plus size women. And so we found that with plus size women, when you're showing dresses, if you show it with two pieces of shapewear, so shapewear is kind of like Spanx, right? It holds you in and keeps those fine lines when you're um, wearing like a, a tighter fitting dress. When you showed two pieces of shapewear with a dress, the dress was more likely to be purchased, first of all. And second of all, obviously the shapewear was purchased in equal proportions. So if you didn't have that insight from our content, you might sell your shapewear or buy your shapewear in the wrong proportions such that you're going to be you know, out of one piece, have too much of the other piece, and the dress isn't selling as well as you want. So what we can do is help feed that information back to the retailer so that they can use it further up the supply chain to make sure that they manufacture or buy the right proportions of those different elements that are complementary to the main thing that the customer is there for, which is the dress, but then they don't have the situation where they're sitting on a ton of inventory and are sold out on the thing that customers really want. And that becomes a huge problem at the end of the day if you have that imbalance too. So I think that is very pragmatic to be able to use data to approach that challenge. Yeah, exactly. Great. Well, I guess as we start to close this out, what makes you excited about right now in retail? Like, it seems like we got through all that death of retail stuff and death of the industry. And there's a lot of innovation happening. Obviously, I mean, you have a new technology that you're building out and 
introducing to the world, but what are the things about this industry that give you a lot of hope for where it's heading? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't even know where to start. There's so many things that I'm excited about. So one would be, I think, better consumer experiences all around. I think consumers are much more demanding, and so you can't really get away without giving them frictionless experiences, guiding them, amplifying your brand's point of view. That's a huge thing. You know, Amazon's such a big threat. If anyone could buy anything at Amazon, they will, unless you have something else to offer them. That brand expertise or what I said earlier about like Home Depot having your back when it comes to home improvement. Amazon doesn't have your back when it comes to home improvement. Amazon does anything and everything, but it's all not very expert, right? So I think scaling that brand point of view is super important. And anything that does that is just changing the industry or further entrenching it against, you know, a growing Amazon. I also think a lot of stuff that's happening further up the supply chain is really interesting with sustainability, transparency in where things are coming from, especially with, you know, technologies that track a life cycle of a product. And as people become more interested in that, that's going to be really great to have that visibility and transparency available to the customer. And so where like the supply chain innovations and the consumer experiences start to converge is starting to happen where customers are demanding to know a little bit more about what happens in this world that before was kind of dry and boring. And that was the B2B side and the consumers didn't care. Consumers are taking a much more active role in that now. And you see a lot of companies coming out with brands that are all about sustainability, like Everlane or transparency and pricing process and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the consumer really is in the driver's seat in a lot of ways. And it seems like in just recently, even the businesses out there are responding, brands, the retailers, and it is coming together. So it is an exciting time for that. All right. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on Supply Chain Radio. It's good to have you on the show. And to all of you listening, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to find further episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and your favorite podcast network.